we started last week talking about the church. What is the church? And so we introduced what is the church to us. Uh, Jesus called his disciples together one day and says, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're Elijah and John and others. And we've heard a lot of things out the marketplace. And he said, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? Peter popped off real quick, said, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the living God. And he said, that's right, Peter. And on this church, I'll build, on, on this statement, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And so we looked at how he said he would build his church on that rock. But what he would do, Jesus would be the cornerstone. And so he was the rock, the boulder, if you will. And he would be the cornerstone of the building. And each rock that came into the church, Peter being the very first one to testify, you're the Christ, the Messiah. So he would be part of that foundation, but Jesus would always be the cornerstone. And as history goes through, even up through today, it's being built on, the church is being built on statement of, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of the living God. And so as we make that statement today in our heart, our mind, our soul, then we become part of the church as we're born again, as we're saved. And we come into that kingdom just like Peter did and others all through history. And the church is being built as a result of it. So tonight, as we get introduced to what the church is, we need to know what does the church do? Now that we're in the kingdom, now that we're Peter and all the others through history for 2,000 years now that have built on the cornerstone of Jesus, him building his church, what do we do? Well, let's make sure we understand again what the church is. Church is simply an assembly. People gathering together just like we're doing tonight. It's a gathering of people. It's a community of faithful believers in Christ of whom he is the head. Jesus Christ is head. So as we have a belief in Christ, we have a faith relationship with him. We're part of the church and he's the head of us that we all turn to. Uh, it also means called out ones, called out from the world and into the kingdom of God. As we're born again, as we're saved, we come out of the world out of the ways of the world, things of the world, into the kingdom of God, we become part of that foundation that Jesus started 2,000 years ago. Uh, it's also we're the body of Christ. We're his hands, his feet, his eyes, his ears, that we send and his mouth, that we go out into the world and we become his body for the world. Also means those filled with the Holy Spirit. So when we're born again and we're saved, we get the Holy Spirit to come and live in us. We are the church, not the building not a denomination, but the people, us, that are born again. So now what do we do? Now that we're in the kingdom, now that we're in part of the church, now that we're there, now what do we do? Just kind of sit back, wait till Jesus comes back. Hey, I'm ready. Just whenever you get ready for me, Jesus, come on back. I'm in the church. I'm part of the church. Just I'm here. Well, there's a little more to it than that. So we're going to 1 Peter chapter 2 tonight. 1 Peter chapter 2 is where we begin, and we'll finish also in 1 Peter chapter 2. But... 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 is where we start. Jesus was, uh, Peter, Peter was telling the people there, as he's telling us today, but you, talking about the people he's writing to then, as well as today, you, us, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. We just sang a little bit about a light just a moment ago. So let's get all these parts of this verse, understand what they all mean, and see how it applies to each one of us. First of all, he said you're a chosen people. So what is that? A chosen people are those picked out by God to receive salvation through Christ. Now I wonder how many people 
Christ would pick out and say, I want you to come in. I want you to come in. I want you to come in. No, you stay out. No, you stay out too. I want this one. Not you. No, I'm pointing to this one. Not you. You know, is that how he does it? He doesn't. He points his finger to everybody. There's about 8 billion people in the world today. And he's pointing his finger to everybody today saying, I want you to come in. I want you to come into the kingdom. I want you to be saved. Jesus doesn't, he doesn't distinguish between one or the other says, no, I don't want you. <laughs> You're not coming to my kingdom. Why you do? What you do? Mm. If he'd have done that, he wouldn't have took me. He wouldn't have wanted me when I got saved. So he picks us out. He picks us out, all of us, to receive salvation through Jesus Christ. And we are a chosen people. I chose you. I chose you. I chose you. So everybody that's been born again, God said, I chose you. But he said, not only are we a chosen people, we are a royal priesthood. That is, we proclaim, we tell, we expound the good news of Jesus, as we're talking about on Sunday mornings, to all people. Wherever we go, we just let people know we're born again, we're saved, we're different, we're not like the world, we don't do what the world does, we're in the kingdom of God, we follow Jesus, and we just let other people know about the good news that we've heard. It's kind of like going to a good movie. You see a good movie, you go tell other people, hey, I saw this movie last week, you ought to go see it. Or a restaurant. Hey, I went to this good restaurant last week. You ought to go to it, and, and that kind of thing. Whenever you find something good, some good news, you tell other people about it. Well, that's what we're to do with Jesus. Jesus is the best news we've ever heard because we were rescued, we were delivered, we were taken out of the world into the kingdom, and we want other people to know it. We're not ashamed of it. We don't want to try to hide it. We want our light to shine, and so as a result, we are a royal priesthood. But he also said we're also a holy nation. Holy nation simply means a people set apart for the Lord. A word we'll see in the Bible sometimes is the word sanctify or sanctified. Sanctify or sanctified simply means set aside for a special purpose. This plate right here is set aside for a special purpose. It's not a plate that we're going to eat out of. That's not what it's set aside for. It's not a plate that we're going to put flowers in and plant, put some dirt in here and plant some flowers. I'm not going to do that with it. It's set aside for a special purpose to take up offering on Sunday morning. And so everything has a purpose. Everything has a reason to exist, just like you and I as Christians. We're set aside for a special purpose to serve Him, and we enjoy His presence and His blessings. We're that holy nation set aside for Him to enjoy His blessings, enjoy His presence in our life, and say, thank you, Lord, for the blessings of the day. Thank you for your presence in my life. And we become that holy nation. But also he said we're a people belonging to God. That is God's special people who are his possession. Has anybody ever said to you, you're special? You know, hopefully, maybe, once in a while, here and, here and there, every now and then. Yeah, you're special. That's right. That's, <laughs> you hear it most of the time. Okay. <laughs> And so even if we don't hear it, even if we haven't heard it, God says, let me tell you, you're special. We belong to God. He said, you are my possession. You are my people, my person. You are in my kingdom. I chose you to come into my kingdom. I invited you in. I welcomed you. You're in. You're special. And I love you as a result of that. We become his people belonging to God, special people uh, for him. We are his possession. We're bought and paid for by Jesus. Uh, he paid a high amount for us to buy us and become his possession 
and belong to Him. How much do you figure we're worth? Jesus' life. We're valuable. <laughs> Jesus died for us. Jesus went to the cross for us. Jesus set us free from sin because of His going to the cross and dying for our sin. And so as a result of that, we're valuable. He didn't have to do it, but He wanted to do it, and so He did it, and we belong to Him. We're special people. We belong to Him. He's, we're His possession. So, all of that put together, and God's chosen us to receive salvation, to be born again, to proclaim the good news of Jesus, set us apart for Himself, made us a special people that belong to Him. So that's who we are. We haven't got to what we do yet. That's just who we are. So what do we do? Well, we need to go back to that verse. You're that chosen people, royal priesthood, and holy nation, people belonging to God. And here it is, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of the darkness and into His wonderful light. So there the, there's that part of the Scripture there. There's that part of that verse. Simply is this. The church is to carry on the work Jesus began. Jesus started something. When He was born, He came into this world to do something, live that obedient life, uh, go to the cross, die for our sins, be resurrected, and send back into heaven. And as a result of that, he started the church. And so what we're to do is just carry on his work. So as he went around all over Israel, preaching, teaching about himself, about the kingdom, about eternal life, about salvation, about forgiveness of sins, about repentance. And so as a result of that, we just carry on the work that he did. We don't have to sit down and try to think up something and say, I wonder what the church ought to do. How could we be the church? What could we do that's so different than anybody else around us that we could just think up something? We don't have to do that. <laughs> Jesus already thought it up. And he said, just go out and declare the praises of Jesus who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. He said, just go out and do, just praise me in front of everybody you come to as you're going to work, as you're going to school, as you're going to Walmart, as you're doing whatever it is you're doing, just go out and bring praise to my name. Just as you're doing your life, living your life, just whatever you do, just bring praise to me. Not about yourself, but about me, he said. So he's called us out of the darkness and into his wonderful life to declare, tell others about the praises of him in our life, bringing praise to him, what he's done for us. Uh, because he did. He called us out of darkness, sin out of the world, send Satan in the world, into his kingdom, into the light, and now we're just declaring, telling others, you know what Jesus has done for me? And we could probably make a list tonight, couldn't we? If we had to just sit where we're sitting and had a piece of paper and a pencil, we could probably go through there and say, here's what Jesus did for me uh, today. Oh, and yesterday, and Friday. You know, we could just go through there and start thinking about all the things we could praise him for that he's done for us every single day of the week and of the month and of the year. So there's, there's our purpose. There's what the church does. Chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, people belonging to God that you may do. Here's our purpose. Here's what he says to do. Declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. So we move on now to verse 10. He said, once in the past, before you got saved, you were not a people. You were not my people. You were the world's people. You belonged to Satan. But now you're the people of God. You know, things changed. When did it change? When we got saved. When did it change? When we were born again. 
When did it change? When we came out of the world into the kingdom. When did it change? When we repented of sin, turned to him, and found forgiveness for sins. So once we were not there, we weren't his people. We were sin, Satan, and the world's people. But now we're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, once God had give, not given us that mercy to forgive us of our sins, but now we have received mercy. So, dear friends, I urge you, I encourage you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Uh, we read about and hear about a war going on in Ukraine. We hear about a war going on in Israel and practically all over the Middle East now. But you know, we have a war going on within us too. Because we do battle in our own mind every day. Because there's sometimes things that we just really want to do. I want to go and do that. I want to go and get involved in that. I want to be a part of that. And God says, no, just, just leave that alone. Just, just don't go there. Don't be a part of that. Just, just leave it alone. Yeah, that's right. But I really want to do it. You know, and so we start, uh, God says, don't do it. And so, okay, God will be obedient to you. But, uh, and so we just have this war going on so many times in our life, in our mind. And so he says to abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul. Why? How do we do that? He said, I'm urging you. I'm encouraging you. Because you're aliens and you're strangers. Watch these two words. Aliens mean this. <clears throat> a foreigner who lives in a place without the right of citizenship. Or another word is a sojourner. A stranger is someone who comes from a foreign country to live side by side with natives of that country. In other words, a pilgrim. The best example I could think of was tonight sitting right here in this building. Mary. Mary came here from the Philippines. Why did she come here? Because she married Gary. Do you know after they got married, they got married in was December, right? Of, Mary, don't say, Gary, what year was that? Okay, I don't remember. Okay, that's why I wanted you to answer. What, what Mary? 2013. Okay. I knew you knew and he did, but I won't put him on the spot. They got married in December 2013. Do you know when she got here? December of 2014. One year later, she arrives here. How did that happen? Because he went through the State, State Department, Homeland Security Department, uh, lawyers, money. You know, just, just on and on he went trying to, you know, get her over here. They, he's gone to the Philippines. He's married the girl and, and ready for her to come over here and live with him. And, and she, he can't get her here. One whole year later, she finally got here. She applied for citizenship and all that. She's now a full American citizen, just like you and I. It's as though she were born here. You go ahead. <laughs> and so she was a stranger. At first, nobody knew her in America. We didn't know her until we met her. But she was someone who came along, came from a foreign country, the Philippines, to live side by side with us, natives of America. And she was a pilgrim. But she settled here, just like the pilgrims in early part of our nation. Pilgrims were the first people to come here. They came here to live here, stay here, uh, set up housekeeping here, farm, and all that sort of thing. They did it for freedom of religion, was the whole purpose of them coming here. And they were pilgrims because they said, we want to go to a foreign country called America, and we want to live there. We want to stay there. We want to make it our country. We want that country to be our country. 
But on the other hand, there's aliens. Throughout that year-long process of Gary trying to get her here, he was just keeping me up on, you know, going to the State Department, going to Homeland Security Department, Department of Justice, lawyers, money going out, the, you know, all this. And so I don't know how many times I told him, probably about three or four times, let's do this, Gary. Buy her a plane ticket to Mexico City. Tell her to leave from Mexico City, come to the border, meet her at the border, help her get across the river, and you're done. She's here. But you know, if she'd have done that, not that Gary was going to, but if she'd have done that, she'd have still been an alien. She would have been a foreigner who lives in a place without the right of citizenship. For her to try to become a citizen then, she's, she would have been here illegally to start with. And so to try to go through the process of, I want to become an American. Oh, wait, you, where's your... You know, where's all these documents? Well, I ain't got any. Well, how'd you get here? Well, I walked across the border. Well, I swam across it, and my husband met me on the other side, and I got here. See the difference in the two words? That's what God says we were. <laughs> I urge you, and I mean what we are, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world. See, in the world, we're a foreigner to the world. We don't have the right of citizenship in this world. Well, I know I was born here. I was born in this world. I know I, I am a citizen of this world. Not anymore if you're saved. We became a citizen of the kingdom of God. We were taken out of the world, out of the Philippines, if you will, and brought into another country as a citizen. Now, we're no longer a citizen of the world. We're an alien now. But also a foreigner, I mean a stranger, because when we came into the kingdom of God, Jesus said, welcome to my kingdom. Here's my brother over here, my sister over here, and all these other people in my kingdom. Let, let me let you meet them. And so we were strangers because we didn't, what's Christianity? I didn't know anything about how to do as a Christian. I knew nothing about how a Christian operated. I had to learn. I mean, I had to pick up my Bible. I had to get Dr. McGee, pastor at Temple Baptist Church. I said, Dr. McGee, I don't understand. I don't know what a Christian is. I had to keep going to, to Brother Bob and saying, Bob, I... <laughs> How do you do this thing called Christianity? And he'd sit down with me and just, you know, work through any questions I had and just little by little and uh, rolling along there. I'm, I'm getting explained to me and I'm understanding and I'm digging and I'm searching and I'm grab it, grabbing and trying to just get this whole thing. And I'm growing and I did. And, and I, I got it. I'm still learning, still growing, of course, I always will. But I was a stranger for a while, but I wanted to live side by side with the natives. <laughs> of the kingdom of God. I said, I want to be in this place. I want to be here. And so in the world, though, I'm a stranger to the world now. I don't know the world. I don't even know how to get my internet running. <laughs> it's been down since Wednesday, Tuesday. Yeah. You know, been on the phone, emails, chat lines, as they call it. Um, it's supposed to be sending something. They said it'd be fixed five o'clock Friday. Now it's six thirty Sunday. Still on, you know, all that. Stranger to the world. I don't know how the world operates anymore. I'm a stranger to the world. I was a stranger when I came into the kingdom, but I'm not anymore. I'm a stranger to the world, an alien to the world. And so it is with you and I as Christians, because that urge you as aliens and strangers in the world. The world doesn't understand us as Christians. 
why don't you do stuff like that? Why don't you do these things like I do? Why, why do you, you know, all these kind of questions people give us. Why, why, why? Well, because I'm born again. I'm saved. I live in the kingdom of God. I don't live in the world anymore. Different. We become aliens, strangers to the world. As a result of that, being an alien stranger in the world, we are to abstain from sinful desires which war against our souls. There's just things we want to do still because we came out of the world. Still, We still may want to do those things, but we don't because they're desires of ours and not of God. We're aliens and strangers. So he says, then go on further, live such good lives among pagans, among the world, because we're still going to live in the world even though we're not of the world. We're aliens and strangers in the world. We're part of the kingdom of God now. But we still go to work, go to school, go to Walmart and all these other places. We still live in the world. So we're around lost people all the time. I've never thought about it a whole lot, but I wonder in a day's time, as you move about your life, in a, or let's take it a week, in a week's time as you move about your life, wherever it is you're going, you ever thought about how many lost people you may encounter? Two, 200, 100, 10, three, you know, we don't know, do we? Because we're just moving about our life, going here, going there, buying something here, buying something at that store, meeting this person on the checkout place. And Well, we don't meet a person at the checkout place unless they're checking out with us. But, uh, you know, we meet lost people all the time. And so he says, live such good lives among the pagans that, so there we are at Walmart, and we're checking out. We are checking out. Nobody's checking us out. We're checking out. And so something's wrong with the machine. Either our card didn't work, or it's not giving us back our change, or it's just not functioning properly. And we throw some kind of huge fit. And somebody comes up and says, may I help you? Yes, you may. You better help me right now. i got problems here. I'm going to throw a fit bigger than you're looking at right now. And somehow along the way, they say, oh, I notice you got a cross on your ring. Does that mean anything? Yeah, that's my seminary ring. That's where I got it. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I just threw a big fit. And now you're associating me with the, the cross and Jesus. Mm. <laughs> I get it. You see how that works? We, we go out into the world and we do all kind of whatevers. And the world looks at us, the pagans look at us and say, What's the difference in me and you? You claim to be saved in the kingdom of God, and I don't claim to be anything. <laughs> and, and you get you act just like I do. I don't understand this. So he says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. So people ought to just see us living a good life. Sometimes we use the term, they're living the good life, meaning they're vacationing in the Bahamas and they're uh, flying around the world. And that's not what we mean here, not what God means here. Live such a good life. Live the proper kind of life, the godly kind of life, the biblical kind of life, the scriptural, pure, holy kind of life. Live that kind of life among the pagan people that you encounter all over the world, wherever you travel. So they may accuse you of doing wrong, but they would see your good deeds and they glorify God. They'd say, I know why you act the way you act, because you belong to God. You're one of His. You've been set apart. You were not a people, but now that you are the people of God, 
Once you had not received mercy, but now you do. You're an alien and a stranger in this world. And you serve a risen Savior. Correct? Yeah, that's right. That's correct. So, what's the church to do? Church is to abstain from sinful ways to be a testimony to the lost world. We don't ever have to tell a person. Uh, we should never have a person to doubt if we're a Christian or not because of the way we act. We don't have to say anything. We don't have to tell them, hey, I'm a Christian. Did you know that? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> so, and the point is, you know, we should never have to tell anybody. People ought to see it in our good deeds and say, I bring glory to God, not to you, but to God, because of what He's doing in your life, what He's been doing in your life, because I look at what you're going through and look at how you're handling it. What's made the difference in your life? Well, God has. And, and so we, we have a testimony working in our life all the time as we abstain from the sinful ways of the world. We have been called out of the darkness and into the light. We've been taken out of the darkness of the world, brought into the light of the kingdom of God, and we're a different person as a result. And so finally, Matthew five sixteen, Jesus tells us on the Sermon on the Mount, in the same way, let your light shine before men, before women, before the world. Let your light shine in the world in which you work, live, play, go, and do, that they, whoever they are, may see your good deeds, things you do for God, and praise your Father in heaven. So he's simply saying, let your light shine. As a church, what do we do as a church? Let our light shine in the world in which we live. Just go out there, not with a flashlight, not with a spotlight, but with the light of Christ living in us. And let people just see Jesus in us. And that's what makes a difference in their lives, just as he did in our life.